Hey, man. Hey, what's you, happening? Can you play that thing? Yeah, I mean, I kind of. It depends on how loosely you use the term play. Yeah, Wait, I will say this, though. The number one video on our Facebook page of all time is of me reading my poem. No, is of me playing this guitar right here <laughs> and singing the song about you never mess with a guy in a vest. You know, you know what we should do for a few future episode of this podcast is I have a harmonica and we need to really blow something out. Let's do it. Don't you think? I we like should do it. that. All right, but in the meantime, can you noodle something for yeah, me? Yeah, and you'll do our nationwide. Yeah, I want to talk thing? about nationwide. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You want something with a little Spanish flavor? Little sp spice. Okay. Want some spicy? Give me some spice. Give me something spicy. Hit that thing. You know, now nationwide is going to want all of their spots red to your guitar playing. Very nice. That's nice, Kinsley. All right. Hey, guys, nationwide. Big time sponsor for Dos Marcos and the podcast, and we're very grateful to them. We just got done with the nationwide event, primetime, in New Orleans, Louisiana. So we had some great music out there, and uh, you know what? They had a great event out there um, that was a blast. And I just want to talk about, it's not just nationwide and all the things they can do with marketing and their live events and their leadership platform and the training stuff that they do. It's, they're really putting some focus back into the industry and investing in people. And they did this thing called Win Women in Nationwide. Kinsley, did you go to that session? You know, I got, I did not get the invitation, nor, I, nor did you. No. Nor did the other men in Nationwide. Which I guess is a good thing. It's a good thing. Because sign, it's right? when women, women in, in nationwide. nationwide. All right. Just go back to playing. Okay. Right. You want some more so of that? So anyway. Should really... I mix it up or keep playing the same thing? No, I like that. Um, women in Nationwide. I just want to point it out. I think that's really cool for Nationwide. It's a group dedicated to supporting development of female business leaders across the independent channel. And I love it. So hats off to Nationwide and what they did. Thanks for having us out. We had a fantastic time at the Nationwide Primetime event, speaking at Mattress University. Thank you, Mike Whitaker. Thank you, Jeff Rose. Thank you, Jerry Honey. Thank you, everybody there for uh, being so hospital, hospitable and bringing us out for that because we had a blast. And everybody at Nationwide, all the members that we got to meet, all the messages and texts and emails that we've been getting uh, from people as a result of that, we're very grateful to you and Kinsley. Um, just play something big. I want to go out with a flurry here. Can you hit us with something hard? <laughs> That's very nice. I just wanted to confuse you on the way out. Yeah. Well, time to drop a mic. All right, everybody. Here comes the Dos Marcos podcast. Dos Marcos podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait. Isn't this the only Mattress Industry Podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So we have a special guest today, and this guy is like an industry titan. You know, I think one of my first interactions with Mr. Stephen Stone was at an industry event and I was just asking him, you know, we're getting to know each other. We we're talking about his business and he was dropping some, some gems of insights on me. And, uh, I was asking, why do you show up to these industry events? And he, he was telling me how it's good to get refreshed and it's good to get reconnected with people, get outside of your own everyday environment and just connect with the industry. So he's been somebody that's, uh, been super fun to know over the years 
and he's got a great business up in the Pacific Northwest and beyond. No doubt. Uh, Steven Sen with 45 Source Bed Mart. Uh, how you doing, Steven? Thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for inviting me to chat with you guys. Oh, yeah. You know, Steven does the speaking circuit um, like you and I have both done on panels in Furniture Today, and he is a frequent guest at the conferences. So, Steven, it's kind of neat that you do that. Um, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, Kinsley brought up a good point. You you go to those things. I mean, part of it is to learn, obviously, but is there also a part of that where you feel like you're giving back? Well, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, um, I think I go to some of these events and speak, and then they just don't invite me back for a reason, because I, I have some, uh, so, some views that are sometimes outspoken and sometimes... Um, I remember going to an ISPA conference, and I uh, uh, had a question and answer period at the end. This was about, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago. And it was it was sort of the first time I had been invited to speak. And after we had said, you know, a jumble of nothing, but essentially, you know, stood, stood up in front of a crowd and made, you know, conversation about mattresses, and we were talking rectangles. And then somebody asked the question, what would I as a retailer do um, to, to make the product better. And I said, well, um, let's not build product that looks old after one year and call it premium. The, the issue of body impressions and pillow tops and things in those days, it, it, was, it, was a, it was a strong statement on how I think our industry needs to make better product if we're going to give it ridiculous warranties and we're going to go down the road and say this is premium. It shouldn't look like somebody has been sleeping in that bed for, you know, 20 years. So mm -hmm. I never got invited back to ISPA after that. So that might, that might say that they didn't really care for what I had to say. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wonder if we in the industry want to hear the truth. And, you know, we, as you walk through like creating product, which is something I'm in the middle of right now, creating like a new national line, you know, I'm sitting here going, I want to make products that I would feel comfortable recommending to mom and dad and my best friends. And a big piece of that is, is it's got to feel great. And then it's got to feel the same way every day. Like you're talking about, why, why do you think that the industry didn't want to hear that message? What was your sense of it? <laughs> well, it was, um, cost, right? I, it's I expensive. Th I think at the time, I, I think that they, they don't really want to hear the obvious thing. I, I just, it, it was, it was to me such a basic thing to say that, when you're charging somebody $2,000 or $3,000, that that product should look like brand new if, if you're going to have something, say it has a life of 10 years just for the sake of conversation. And we had 20-year warranties back in the day. But you look at that and literally, you know, you take the linens off and the beds look lumpy bumpy. And I, I just kind of object to calling something premium that doesn't perform. And... That's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm an, a real strong advocate for products like Tempur-Pedic. I mean, they always come back to flat. And I, I think that's an important thing for a premium product. There's no doubt. And your, your people have to be confident selling it to that same degree. So let's do this, Stephen. Let's rewind and let's talk about where this all started for you. Because you just didn't wake up one day and have 45 stores. Um, how did you get into this crazy business and give us a little bit and we'll ask you some questions along the way, but 
we want to understand where you started and, and how you grew it to what it is today. Okay, well, I'll take you back to the beginning of time. Uh, after I first saw light and I was a baby in a bassinet, <laughs> my mother's diary, I went to my very first market in a bassinet. My parents had a furniture store for 39 years. And so uh, I probably should get an award for the most markets that somebody's tolerated in their life. But I've been going to markets since that very um, early age, um, both summer and winter. And um, when I, uh, my parents, uh, my father passed away and I ran the business. And um, the state came in and said, we're going to make a freeway and your business is in the way. So we ended up selling that. My mother decided that since my father had passed, that it was a good time to retire. And of course, I worked for them my entire life. And so my comment to my mom was, well, what's retirement going to be like for us? And she said, well, you got to get a job. And that was really a, a cold and cruel day. And then um, somebody was kind to of me, gave me a job repping for Springer Mattress. And I did that for nine years. And after, you know, uh, working at Spring Air out of the Tacoma plant for the Carmens, I uh, went to my wife and said, you know, I'm kind of tired of telling everybody what to do. I'd like to do it myself. And she said no. And so at that point, we had a series of months of conversation about my being an entrepreneur. And she wasn't exactly very happy about it. But the deal we had is the money I would earn and she would protect it. So one day in a fit of passion, she pulled out the checkbook, she wrote a check, and I'm thinking, God, she's finally on board, I just love it. And I get this check and I look at it and I looked at her and said, honey, it's only 10 grand. And she said, yeah, that's all you get. When you, you lose that, you have to get a real job. So I didn't have to get a real job because I'm still doing it. But the company started with that. We haven't put in any additional money over the years. My wife's, re my wife's investment was probably as good an investment she's ever made. She did get asked if she ever got paid back. And uh, that was like, uh, no, I really ought to talk to him about that. But, you know, that was how I got started. And that started with one store in Portland's ugliest building because it was cheap. And basically, we built our business one mattress at a time. My third hire is still working with me today. Um uh, David Whitkey has been with me over 25 years. He started as an 18-year-old. His mother came in to buy a mattress. She looks at me. She says, I got a teenage son who's going to the high school. Do you think you have a, a position for him? Uh, I said, yeah, I, I have Bedmard Bob, our driver. He needs somebody to help him. So David became Bob's um, helper. And so... That sort of started David's uh, trek with me along the way. And then, you know, over the years, we've just, you know, we've added stores, we've purchased stores, we've closed stores. Like an accordion, we've, you know, expanded and we've contracted. Um, today, we're 45 stores and we're in three states and uh, we sell mattresses still one at a time, though. Stephen, take me into back to those early days. You said you were in Portland's ugliest building. So oh, yeah. you fill it with mattresses, I assume, or how many mattresses did did you have out there and how did you get people to actually come and buy them if it was in such a ugly building and maybe not an ideal location? What, what were the, those early days like? 
Oh, the history of, okay. So it was building was 7,000 feet. Um, when you would walk into the building, it was a chopped up building and you'd walk into sort of the, the first room. And then between that room and the main showroom area, which is really an elegant word for an ugly, ugly showroom, um, there was a really low ceiling and I'm, I'm not a really tall guy. But a customer would walk in and I'd put my hands on the ceiling of the mezzanine and I'd laugh at folks and say, you know, I just want you to know our low overhead keeps our prices down. And we would proceed to start laughing and selling mattresses out of this place that had a wood floor, not like you see in a house, but you would see in a factory. And there were places where there was holes in the floor and rather than fix it, we just put a mattress over the hole. And when we wanted to upgrade and have carpet, I just got some marine gray paint and used a roller and just painted the aisles so that we would have at least a cleaner looking environment in this ugly building. Um, it was it was an interesting time. My daughter, Ilana, was um, just a small kid at the time. And um, my youngest was nursing. My wife was taking care of the phones. I was doing deliveries and sales and everything else. And you know, it was, again, back to one bed at a time, and that's how we, we really got started. What was the next step beyond that? I mean, what were some of the, the creative things you had to do early on, like, like, like that message about low overhead and putting mattresses over holes in the floor? Like whenever you decided to go to the next phase and maybe open another store or grow your business, what were those kind of like early inflection points that you remember that you said, hey, we're going to a new level at this point. Um, I had an advantage. And so, you know, to, the advantage that I had is that in the nine years I worked at Spring Air, I had developed a relationship with Montgomery Wards. And Montgomery Wards, um, their BTDC, their big ticket distribution center, um, that was uh, run by a guy who, uh, I got to know pretty well, and he, um, when I told him going out on my own and I'd like to buy all of his comfort returns, um, he cut a deal with me to do that for 25 bucks. If I took all of his, you know, returned used mattresses, they would come back. So I would end up with something that would be out simply a day or two, and I'd use Montgomery Ward's ads and say, this is a $1,500 bed, you can get it for a grand. And I was paying 25 bucks. So, you know, margin's always been a key part of our business. And those were the early days where we had super margin. And that created an opportunity to recreate wealth and, and recreate the money in order to build the business. Um, from there, we started opening, you know, a couple of different locations. We were working in that format of new, used, and comfort returns. And... Um, in those days, you know, you'd have interesting people come to a store that was a dirty window store at that time. And a person with a Mercedes would show up and say, I just want a cheap bed. And I'd look at the car they drove up and I'm going, why? And it was like, no, nah, we just got some company coming and we need something cheap. And it just reminds me how unimportant a mattress can be to people. And we would tie that mattress on top of that Mercedes. <laughs> and it would just drive me nuts to think that here was somebody who 
obviously could do better for their their guest room but perhaps they had their mother-in-law coming and they didn't care and you know that that might have made a difference too i don't know Stephen, what as, as you grew sorry did i step on what you were saying there no no please go ahead as you grew um as i've talked to different company owners that have multiple locations what was it for you what was the toughest part of growth uh, in the early days, and even later on, um, when you know maybe cash wasn't the issue, um, what, what's been the hardest uh, part of growing? I think it's. I think that in looking back, I think most people think this is really easy. There's a low cost of entry to get in the business to begin with, and I don't think people always have the business sense. And I didn't know what I didn't know. And now looking back, I would say probably stores four, five, and six, because at that point, you no longer can be in every store every day doing what you do. And the infrastructure that you need to support 40 stores is the same at five stores. And the cost of that infrastructure, um, if you can survive your growth in the early years, you potentially have an opportunity to figure out how to grow your business. But I think in the early years, you know, the first store, you're 100% invested and you're part of it. Store two, you're kind of that 50-50, you're splitting yourself and you're looking for a clone to run the business. As you get to stores three and four, uh, if you start expanding and spreading out over too wide a geographic area, uh, you have the potential of spreading your capacity to support the business and your advertising now needs different umbrellas. I mean, it just gets more complicated and there was things that I didn't know. And I, I feel fortunate that I survived some of those early decisions. Um, of course, I'm still trying to survive today's decision. So I don't know that it's really changed. Take us into the, you, you're talking about today and surviving some of those decisions you have to make with your 45 stores. What are some of the dynamics at play in the marketplace that you notice most? I mean, I've heard some people talk about, you know, sleep shops suffering a little bit in the past uh, several years. I've heard people say that some of the furniture stores are on the uptick when it comes to the mattress category. We know the competition online. What are your observations and how are you um, surviving or even thriving under those conditions? Um had a conversation yesterday with somebody about that. The, um, you know, on, on one level, I think you really need to focus on your customer service because without customers, you don't have business. Um, and I'm, I think that with the number of stores we have, having everybody understand and march to the same tune, providing customer service consistently and the service standards, that, that's a real challenge. I, I'm not so concerned about the other channels of distribution. I, I really focus on ourselves because I think the customer today is about the experience. And, you know, I, I think that the opportunity to differentiate yourself in the marketplace um, really comes down to um, execution uh, I can tell you all the secrets to running a mattress store. And the key is, would somebody know how to take the keys that are on the keychain and how to put them in the lock? It, it, it's about execution. And, you know, it's 
everybody has their own idea on how that should be. I helped form a best practices group once, and we had 10 guys from around the country, non-competitive areas. And we put that together because the guy at the top of the food chain, quote, the president of each of these companies, who do you go to to ask a question? And, you know, you, you go home at night and you ask your wife, who's probably not the best business advisor. And, you know, so this created an opportunity for us to get together every six months, critique our, our, um, our businesses and share in the common challenges that we had in operating our business. And that worked for many, many years and until Mattress Firm bought up half the guys in the group. But, you know, it... It was a, a way for us to, you know, share how did we pay people? How did we um, how did we put it all together? And when we put our financial statements together, what was really fascinating in um, putting the financial statements next to each other was about 95% of everything was really common. And there was 5, 5% that was sort of the secret sauce of each one of these businesses. So, you know, the, the cost of sales against, um, you know, your commission rates, all those things kind of, everybody kind of came to the same answer. So there was really very little that was different, but it was different people had a different perspective on margin, different people had a perspective on how you compensate people. I mean, there was a lot of things that went into that, but I think that was one of the most re rewarding periods because it helped me get a perspective of what was happening outside our business. Okay, just for fun, you know, like you said, you got to be able to know how to put the keys in the lock. But when you think about, you said some of the secrets of selling mattresses. Are, yeah. are there any secrets? Do you have any you could share? Yeah, if, the, the 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 feel is the deal, and at the end of the day, if the mattress doesn't feel good, it'll never sell. So, I've I've seen some great ideas that aren't executed well because they just don't feel right, and I think that, you know, we have to remember the customers there to buy a, a better and more comfortable experience. Um, mattresses have great stories, and I think the stories that they have and the things that we can weave into that add tremendous value. And our our job as a sales sales team is to reduce the fear of making a mistake, Re reduce the fear of buying the wrong thing. Um, building confidence raises value. And it allows us to uh, get paid for what we do, which is bring professional salespeople to the, to the puzzle. And I think that's I think that's the biggest challenge I have today, which is assuring that my team can be professional and get paid enough in a competitive environment. Okay, go back to some of the best stories you've heard around a mattress ever. So you started with the feels, the deal, and then you said some of the mattresses have great stories. What are some of those mattresses that have great stories or what are some of the best that you've heard over the years that worked? <laughs> that worked. <laughs> I remember when I was working at Spring Air, we had we could add heat to a mattress and that was thought to be a good thing. That died a slow death. Um, today we're talking about how we can cool people, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, and I, and I, think that, I think that the ability for um, a mattress to be cooling is one of the um, things that speaks to people uh, very well. And uh, I think that that right now is 
it's sort of a hot button, and I think it's one that uh, a hot button. I didn't mean that to be funny, but it, I think cooling is, is and a cool feel on a mattress. I think there's a there's a lot of energy behind it right now, and I'm seeing that. And I think it's I'm always looking for the next big wave, um, and right now that just seems to be the thing that consistently is showing up across the board. No doubt. So take me back to, to the history to so when you were growing, Stephen, if you look back on it, is there anything you would have done? I mean, of course, there are things you would do differently, but is there anything that you think about in retrospect and go, man, if I would have just done this differently, it would have been so much better for the business and for me. Is there anything that is obvious when you think about that question? You know, I, I've shared with people over the years that the book of Bedmart, um, it's a big book, and I open it every day to a new blank white page. And the concept that we have a business plan that is uh, anything more than fluid, um, we've, always, we've always been opportunistic in taking what we think is the best step at any given moment. Um, my my father's advice when I was younger, and I subscribe to it today, was to do more things right than you do wrong. And I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, I also don't dwell on them. I I look to you know correct things that aren't go- going well. And um, you know, I, and I'm not afraid to ch- of change. I think change is something that most people really have a problem with. And accepting the fact that the marketplace around us is changing, it's always been changing. It's never different. We don't have a more unique market today. We may have different channels of distribution. But, you know, as one channel goes away, another one comes back. And so for, for me, it, there isn't one thing I could point to that say I would do differently. Um, there's some things I'm, in hindsight I could say I would have done maybe a little faster. I would have grown my daughter Elon up faster, and I would have used her in our advertising um, uh, much earlier. Um, but other than that, I think that she really adds a, a an element of locally owned and family owned to the message that we have, and I think that's that's been something of adding some octane to our engine. But I don't think it would be the only thing that would make her growth. Um, I think you need to have, you know, a number of building blocks in your organization to be able to handle growth. And I think that a lot of people sort of get over the tips of their skis. Um, They're going too fast down the hill and they haven't built, you know, a good safe landing zone and they haven't got the reserves and the things that you need to make sure that, you know, you don't fall on your face. Oh, you know who that is. Sarah Bergman from Pure Care. Hey, what's happening, Sarah? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on the show. So today I'm going to talk about one of our newest launches, and I am so excited to bring this product to Specialty Sleep. You know Pure Care as the brand that brings health and wellness. We bring cleaner sleep to all of our products. We infuse products with responsive technical textiles, and we do all of this to enhance your wellness and empower your sleep to do more for you. That's one of the reasons why I'm so excited that we are launching weighted blankets at Las Vegas Market. 
our new Zensory collection with the tagline, Weighted for Wellness, is really helping us expand our message of wellness and what sleep can do for you. Now, there is a huge market for this product. Weighted blankets are one of the fastest growing trends in sleep because today's consumers are actively searching for naturally healthier sleep solutions. For those of you who aren't familiar with the wellness behind weighted blankets, it stems from the sleep science term, deep pressure stimulation. That fancy term basically means that you have benefits from the calming effects of gentle, simultaneous weight on the body's pressure points. Now, wellness specialists today are backing the healthy benefits of weighted blankets as an effective, non-drug-related alternative to help alleviate issues like stress, anxiety, restlessness, fidgeting, tossing and turning. All of these pieces fall really beautiful into what Pure Care does best and delivers best, which is a health and wellness product. And of course, because we got to design our own, our Zensory collection is really unique. We're using hypoallergenic glass bead fill because it's cleaner. We've de- designed our weighted blankets with a smaller pocket to make sure that that weight distribution is as even as possible and as balanced as possible. We designed an entire line of removable, washable duvet cover options that feature velveted fleece and tencel so that you have a way to clean your weighted blanket and really choose from those two different comfort options. So many things to talk about with this line, but mostly I want to send you over to purecare.com to learn a little bit more about our adult and kids weighted blanket collection, Zensory. Thanks so much, guys. For people who don't know, let's go back and talk about Alana. So Alana and I have become friends over the years and I hosted a panel for ISPA and I wanted some creative, fresh thinking people on that panel. And she was one of my very first phone calls. Uh, For people who don't know, tell them about the role that she plays in your business, the visibility she has in your marketplaces, that type of thing. And then what kind of impact did it make whenever you (laughs) you said, I wish we would have put her in the advertisement sooner, I take that to mean that it had a significant impact, but paint that picture for people. Mark, she, she's just simply better looking than I am on TV. <laughs> I was going to say that, Stephen, but I didn't want to be rude. No, no. As a father, I, I, I can jump up and say that. Okay. I'm very proud of Ilana. Uh, she doesn't accept the status quo. Um, she's as close to a chip off the old block as one can get. Um. Ilana works today in our, she's the VP of marketing for our company. Uh, she has a staff and they produce internally all of our television, all of our radio, all of our graphics material, all of our point of sale material. We do everything internally and we've been doing that um, probably since about store four. You know, we, we bought a machine years ago to make banners for windows and we did those things to try to control cost. We could also control our message and change our, our messaging really pretty quick. And so as we've grown, we've, we still continue to do that, but we just added capacity to, to do more and different things. Today, she's responsible for the website. Um, and, you know, she came to me after being, uh, she comes back to the business um, and she says, dad, um, We've got all these young people 
who want to buy, and we've got a bunch of middle-aged old guys. And it seems like a disconnect to have them come and speak to middle-aged old guys when they're women who are shopping and they're this and they're that. And I kind of agree with her on, on one level. On the other hand, these, these guys have tremendous experience, a tremendous knowledge, and, and they understand the selling process in a consultative selling environment. They're as good as they get. So the idea that our sales team is made up mostly of men, and we've really changed that. We've had a lot of women, but that was her, one of her early comments. And I think she's kind of come around to the fact that, you know, experience is worth something and that young people don't show up to work on time. And there's, there's a number of issues that come up with younger folks who, who haven't yet found the calling of what the mattress business can do for them. You know, I, it's so funny. My first experience uh, getting to know Alana, we were at a Furniture Today conference, and I'm sure you were there, Stephen. And Alana was on a panel, and I believe, Kinsley, were you at this? The the, the panel was with young people in their family's business. Yeah, do you remember I remember that? remember this, yeah. So <laughs> it cracks me up because Alana was on stage and really giving the audience the business because they were asking some questions about, you know, millennials and, you know, what, what makes you guys tick. And so Alana was speaking truth. And I think people had their jaw dropped open a little bit. Like, how can she say all that? Because she was really kind of going at the old, uh, white guy mentality, which I, um, I think is this industry in some ways, uh, at some times on certain things, but anyway, it cracked me up and she really rattled the group. And so I, she's like, social media, you guys don't know anything about social media. And that's how we that's how we communicate. And that's where you need to be reaching out and some of the basic things. And this was like five years ago, probably. So I tweeted at Alana during the speech. So Alana is like someone else is talking. She literally checks her Twitter feed and she goes, who's this Joplin Quinn guy? Because at the time, that was my tweet. She goes, this guy gets it. He's tweeting. She's on stage saying, it cracked me up. So anyway, I got I went up to her afterwards, and we had a, a, a nice chat. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a really um, great moment, I thought, for someone like that to really kind of – I believe it was her first event, Stephen. Am I wrong? No, I think that was her first time on stage. And I, and I can tell you that my wife made me record it, so we have it someplace. Uh, video as well. <laughs> yeah, that's so I want to link up to that in the show notes if we can. We're, well, we're sitting there going, uh, that's our kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She really she really riled him up, and I thought it was hilarious because everything she was saying was true. But how is it with family and the business? Is there anything tough about I mean, obviously, there's probably something tough about that. But um, Alana does a great job, it sounds like. So is there, has there been any uh, tough stuff around that? No, Elon and I are pretty much on the same page. Um her brother said he'd like to be in the business, and I said, well, Adam, that's that's a great idea. Do you want to report to your sister? No way. I said, well, then you really ought to find another career. <laughs> so uh, he went off to be our real estate guy and and works works with our business that way. And my youngest, um, she's um, is working in the store selling mattresses, and she can sell up a storm. The kid's really, really good at it. And um, she's the secret weapon yet to 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 be released on the world. But uh, she she's she's Moxie. Um, but I think Elon is, you know, what's interesting about the family business 
is that many times your kids don't want to go in your business. <clears throat> they want to go off and do something else. And Ilana actually has a passion for the business. So that's given me the freedom to expand. It's given me the freedom to invest money back into the business, knowing that I have an exit plan called Ilana, as opposed to I have to sell the business. When you know, Mattress Firm was looking at rounding up all this, this companies to buy, my reaction was, well, I'm not for sale. I, I enjoy what I do. I love what I do, and I do it with the people I enjoy going to work with every day. Um, you know, I have probably 12 people have been with the company over 15 years. Maybe it's 15 people over over 15 years. It, it's, it's a large group of people that we've worked together for a long time. And I think there's a real strength in that. But the oldest guys in the company, I'm the oldest. And the next oldest is my CFO. And then everybody else is 40 and younger. And, and you look at that. That gives us tremendous strength to move forward for the next 20 years, you know. And you know, while I may not be as active 10 years down the road, um, I still enjoy every day getting up and problem solving and, and working in our industry. Let's go back to Alana being the face of the business because I know that she's on billboards and TV and she's on the side of a bus and just in many different places. And she was telling me a story about just how people have gotten to know her over the years. And I think there's tremendous, you know, value in having, you know, a face of the business because it's a bridge of trust between the people who are potentially going to shop and when they come in the store. But she, she said that, well, I want to hear some of your stories about people getting to know her because she told me one that was the 10 cent version was she was at some event in person and this uh, older gentleman walked up and grabbed her hand and pulled up her ring finger and said, I thought that I saw a ring on your finger in a commercial. Are you getting married? And she's like, yeah, I just got engaged. But people pay that much attention to, to her and have, have kind of built that relationship with her. It's, it's really kind of eerie. Um, you know, she's at a home show. We were doing a home show. And um, it was interesting. A couple of. 10-year-old girls are standing across the aisle and they're giggling at her and she smiles at them and one of them bravely comes over and says, do you do your own hair? <laughs> uh, who does your makeup? <laughs> and, and, he, and Elon is like, uh, kids, I, I do that myself. Let's go buy you an ice cream cone. So, um, but over the years, I mean, we've had stalkers, we've had We've had to do things to make sure that her security is is because, you know, she's an attractive young woman. And, you know, the idea that um, you have to in this day and age take some steps to make sure that while you are a public figure in a sense and, you know, you pay for the privilege of it by paying for the advertising. But over a period of time, people get to know you and they get to see you and they get to identify with you and in that identifying um is where it's another layer to our onion and while it's not all of our business and it's not the most important thing it, it is an important layer in the the total piece of what we put together it just takes a number of layers it's it's not just one unique one um, you know, there was a time in Portland, the radio stations here, 
invited Mattress Mac. And they invited him to speak, and I went to listen to him speak. And he told his story about how when he got started, things weren't going so good. And one day he's filming a commercial, and he had some cash in his pocket. And he pulled it out and said, and we'll save you money. And he waved the money in the air. And that became his his tagline. And um, it was interesting. Two weeks later, everybody on TV was waving a wad of money and going, and we'll save you money. And that um, that's an example of a layer that somebody takes out of context who hasn't earned the right, if you will, and built all the other pieces that make that message work. So when you hear somebody say, this really works for us, you're not hearing all the different layers of the story. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And it's something we talk about on the show quite a bit, which is this idea of really defining who you are as a business and living that out in every aspect. Because, you know, if there's some incongruence between what people see on TV and what they experience in your store, it's going to be noticeable and there, there's going to be a breakdown in trust. What, when you talk to other sleep shop owners or uh, furniture and mattress store owners in different markets and you're sharing openly, does that come up a lot? That idea that they failed to, if they're struggling to define really who they are and play their own game, is that a common problem? Um. Oh. Oops. <laughs> Sorry, that's Moose, guys. He's 16 pounds, and he thinks he's got a 60-pound attitude. Yeah, well, anytime you hear – I always used to tell people, I said, never put a doorbell in your advertising because as soon as it, <laughs> as soon as it goes off on TV, the dog barks, and you miss the entire ad. <laughs> that's a good yeah. point, actually. Well, you know, I didn't want a dog, but then on the other hand, 10 years ago when he got here, life changed, and all of a sudden he's become my buddy, so he wasn't going to leave my side, and then – Somebody just rang the doorbell, so I apologize for that. No worries at all. Um, where were you? <laughs> we were talking about people, you know, failing to define who they are, and and really putting together, you know, some some connection between their brand, their identity, and making that pay off. You said that those people were waving money around on TV, but it yeah, didn't really you, map to who they were. Yeah, thanks for bringing me back. Um, you know, I think one of the things out there is that over the years, I, I've, I go into a lot of mattress stores, and I visit them all over the world. Today, I've, I, I get to visit them in places like Italy and other places just to see what's going on. And I look at what we do, and I, I try to hold it up and say, um, the experience starts with when you walk through the door. And when we walk into a competitor's store... And I look around and I see something which looks like a horizontal field of mattresses, little soldiers lined up. And, you know, I, I look at that and I go, that, that's not an experience that's a positive. I mean, that's the way it was in 1969. And, and, I, and I think we today haven't done enough to get away from the 399 mattress and all the things that I sold when I was a kid working for my dad. So, um. To me, the experience on the inside of the store, if you want somebody to trust you with their money, you need to give them an experience when they walk in that says, I, I feel like I can leave 10 grand here and feel comfortable that it'll get delivered and I'll be taken care of and it'll be serviced. Then you have to have the salesperson on top of it that can deliver the message, one that is knowledgeable, who's, who's, who's practiced before the customer comes in, knows the answer to the question and knows how to ask a question and 
listen. And I think that um, I'm probably not the best example because I do a lot of talking, but in in reality, we're better when we're listening to our customer than when we're talking to them. And that experience has to be an in-store experience to really strike home success, in my opinion. Yep, there's no doubt. Um, and I think what Kinsley was talking about and what you're doing with Alana, um, Stephen, is exactly what we've talked about so much here, which is um, you have to build connection to your audience. And a lot of people don't do it. Um, I think you're so smart. Some of the best guys in our industry do it. You, you brought up one, Jim McInvale, but um, there are others that people can literally connect to. So there is a trust factor. Right? So, so I love that you're doing that. And Alana is perfect for it. Um, I want to switch gears with you a little bit and talk about the industry and where it is today. I mean, my goodness, things have changed and you've got e-commerce guys, you've got Amazon, you've got um, the review sites out there. Kinsley and I have been talking a lot about this, talking to other people a lot about this. So let's start with the bed in the box companies. Um, there's maybe 150 of these guys out there selling beds online. I know Alana's a millennial. She's probably got some really great perspective. Where is your head on all that right now? How is Bedmart addressing those issues? And where do you think it's going? I So the, the, the last question to all of that, if you can remember it, is where do you think the industry is today in terms of market share? So is it 20% of the market? Is it 15% of the market in dollars? And then where do you think that tops out? So back to the first question, um, what do you think about the bed in the box guys and, and uh, how are you guys handling all that? Um, I think bed in the box has been interesting. Um, it's a different channel distribution, but I think the, the roots of, of our industry and some of the issues are not about the bed and box people. I, I think it's really about the internet. Um, you know, the Internet is this wild, wild west. And today, if it's on Google and you can Google it, you now have truth. And the issue is, what is truth? And you can look at every layer of our lives today and everything that goes on in our businesses and politically, everything is tied to the Internet. And if I, I like to tell the story that if I go and read all about brain surgery and about brain tumors. And if I get really good at reading all that information, then I can walk away and say, hey, you know, Mark, I got a deal for you. I, I now have studied um, brain tumors and I'm prepared to offer you a significant savings over your healthcare program. And for 50% off, kind of like the mattress business, I'm going to give you a lobotomy. And by the way, you'll, you'll come away feeling better for it because I read everything I need to know on the internet. And that's like the customer who walks in and says, I need a mattress with uh, 1400 coils. And you look at them and say, well, what gauge wire did you want? And they're like, what? And, and uh, so this, this concept of knowledge and what is knowledge and what is truth, I think is at the heart of our, our problems in so many different areas. But as to the bed in the box, when you squish and roll a mattress, um, it's a form of, transportation. It saves space. I do think that someday we'll see our warehouse with not 40% bed in the box, but we'll be looking at you know, 90% bed in the box, simply because it's a more efficient transportation methodology. But you know, the quality of mattresses that I see coming from bed and box companies, 
they they admit that they're marketing companies and it's not about building better quality product it's about building a better marketing message and their marketing message has been you know really effective on the other hand the top five according to everything i understand they haven't really made any money so you can sell a lot of mattresses but if you don't make any money when does that wash out and when does the vc capital disappear and and dry up and say you know this doesn't make sense and then last the people coming in the store who've had an experience with um one of the bed in the box companies and had a negative experience and it's kind of like we're seeing more people waking up to it as well so on one hand we're seeing more people going in to buy the bed in the box but customer satisfaction um you know is is part of this whole issue and I, I think the bed in the box thing is um, a different channel distribution, um, just like Costco and Sam's was a, a kind of a new frontier some years ago. So I, I, I see other, it's coming out of a little bit of everybody, but um, it's not going to go away. Um, but it's, it's, it's not something to be afraid of either. So back back to my last question there. Sorry, what percent of the market do you think it is today, and where do you think it's headed? <laughs> What's that? You're going to pin me down on that. Oh, one. I'm totally pinning you down. You know, here's what I'll do. I'll give you some muggle room. You can give us a range. Um, I would say today zero to twenty. <laughs> uh, I I think we're closer to the twenty mark, maybe a little more. Okay, so let's looking at the dynamics of, like you said, the wild, wild west, which is the internet. We talk a lot about these review sites. Many of them are biased. Uh, yeah. I think goodbed.com has it at about 20% have known ties to mattress brands because they're trying to, you know, get get in front of that customer when, the, when they're in the search phase and then, you know, drive them to a page where they buy. Um, you just have a crazy chaotic environment where the rules of, uh, you know, of what we would consider normal day-to-day -day interactions with people don't, they don't exist. When, when you look at brands who are operating in this environment and trying to be relevant, what do you think the future is for launching a brand or maintaining relevance for a brand? Because so many people uh, begin shopping online, you know, they pull out their phone and start looking for mattresses or even if they come into a store, a lot of times they'll go online to maybe validate that purchase or find out some additional details. Like, what does a brand do? You know, um, there's there's been sort of a blurring of what is a brand anymore. Um, I've never subscribed to the fact that a, an S company um, was more important than the store. Uh, mattress uh, manufacturers, uh, more historically, build product and create a a product that people should want to buy. They should build something that is definable by its comfort and by its quality. My job as a retailer is to take that product and and move that product forward to the customer's house. So what to buy has really been the factory that made it and their communication nationally is what to buy and my job is where to buy it. And so our brand is about where 
to buy your mattress. Uh, now, how that relates to the brands that are out there, the bed-in-the-box people and other things, um, I, I, th- I think it's confusing the customer. I, I think that, you know, I don't know that you need to be an S brand, but you, you're being thrown so many different options today, and if the story sounds good, people will buy it. And that's what marketing companies do. And that's what Nectar and Casper and these folks have done is, you know, Casper came out originally with one mattress fits everybody. And um, we know that doesn't work. So, you know, there's it's a little frustrating because I think the issue of what is a brand today has has been blurred so that brands aren't as important as they used to be. You know, so we talk about brand, and back in the day, Stephen, I was with Sealy and Stearns and Foster, and I'm t- I'm talking 25 years ago here, and they taught us that awareness of a brand is really important, and this is how you go in and you sell that. And I think back in the day, that's probably true, but I think it's shifted. Um, we, Kinsley and I talk about this a lot, where you know, Tempur Pedic is probably in terms of the traditional brands they've earned. Um, preference with the consumers. So people come in and they have built preference up for the brand. But the S brands, so the traditional guys, Sealy, Serta, Simmons, Stearns, all these guys, they've really backed off of telling their story. Um, they're not building value in terms of big, big spends in comparison to uh, the Nectars, Caspers, Purples of the world. Do they become less and less relevant over time, because really now, if you look at Google search results, it's all about the online guys. Uh, what danger is there for the traditional brands today if they don't get back in the game in investing in their story and in their brand? Well, there's a there's a blurring here of what retail looks like. You know, from a economic standpoint, there's tremendous logic for a manufacturer to go direct and skip retail. Uh, if if you believe you can satisfy your market directly. But we're seeing the bed-in-the-box people trying to um, develop relationships with retail stores to extend their, their presentation. And so um, while I haven't jumped up and down on the idea of adding a, a bed-in-the-box company to our, to our lineup, um, I don't think that a brand is that important. And I and I, I really believe that um, the name of who makes it isn't as important as the salesperson who sells it. Um, just like I believe the company, our company, is really represented by the person that greets the customer. So in other words, most people walk into a store, don't even know where they are. Used to be they'd pull out their checkbook and say, well, who do I make this out to? They didn't even know they were in your own store. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing. You spent all this money and they... They don't know where they are. They just came in because it's a mattress store. And it, it, it's fascinating to me that uh, the bed-in-the-box people have created these brands. Um, but are these brands going to be any more important than Simmons, Sealy, Serta? Um, and, I, and I think it comes back to an area of confusion. If anything, I think brick-and-mortar has a role in trying to wade through and and represent the best of our ability to research quality products and bring them to the marketplace. 
Um, I think that's what our role is, is to, in, in a sense, 70% of the people in the last survey information that was at the conference you heard was people wanted to try the beds. Um, I think that, you know, a bed is a really personal thing. And I think that when you're younger, ordering a bed in the box is an easy decision to make because you just need a bed. When you get to be 40 plus and the body starts to make changes, you now are looking for better answers. And I don't think that um, the research they do online is satisfied by the same thing as to actually come in and try a bed testing and experiencing. So I think that we have a, a role in the ecosystem and respecting that somebody who has a back problem or who isn't sleeping well, they're willing to pay a premium for a good night's sleep. And I think that's what creates a premium ticket. It's how adjustable bed bases get sold at a, you know, a high close rate. And I, I think that you know, bed in the box, you can sell an adjustable base online, but I don't think people perceive or understand the value of what it does for the mattress when you're looking and trying to buy it online. So I think that there's certain things you can do in brick and mortar and there's certain things you can do online, and it's a different experience for different customer base. Do you think there's been a lot of commoditization, Stephen, in terms of the, the Amazon impact, right? Yes. So, my goodness, those guys are, you know, selling well over a billion dollars in mattresses at 239 bucks. So, what are, you, what are you thinking about that these days? I think the only way to compete with them is you find some place and you become an importer of product and you eliminate the middleman so that you can at least buy right to compete. Or you are a factory and you compete because you're at a place where... Uh, you can make it work. I had an opportunity to buy a mattress factory recently. <laughs> I took one look at it and said, you know, let me see. We could do all of these things ourselves. Who do we buy springs from? Uh, I'll be sensitive here, but Liggett and Platt was one and Hickory Springs was the other. And then the other choice was importing. And I'm like, well, the only two people making money in this mattress business has got to be Liggett and Platt and Hickory Springs because everybody's buying from just a couple of resources. So I chose to avoid that because I, I don't see that as a good business model, nor do I see the, the, the need to go into that end of the game when I really am not a specialist there. My, my thing is to really understand retail and work with that team. And so we're good at selling it. I know we'd be lousy making it, but competitively, I think we, we need to be looking and continuing to build our, our international purchasing. You know, you, you talked about specializing and, and focusing on retail. And earlier, you kind of mentioned this, but it's a, it's a thought I've had about the role of sleep shops in the future. And, and you guys are already there, it sounds like. But this idea of people in your marketplace trusting you to curate the products that are going to be meaningful for them. How, how do you how do you think about building that trust to an even higher degree than you already have it so that you are more competitive with all these other channels that are popping up and trying to take market share from you? Are, are there any creative ideas that you've deployed um, you know, over the past couple of years or things on the horizon for you? Well, I mean, 
we work with Kingsdown and we use their, uh, we've, they, they allow us to brand it. So we brand it Smart Match, which plays into our B-Bed Smart Shop Bed Mart story. But the, the idea that using technology to help people identify what they should be looking at when they're shopping has been, um, something we've been working on for some time. Um, the reason for that is I want to change the customer's experience from um, welcome to our store. Um, what size bed are you looking for? Um, I, I really want to get the conversation to be more about the customer. And, you know, here at Bedmart, we do something a little bit different. We we use technology to help us identify the right range of products to show you because, you know, our stores have 55 beds and, you know, you can get confused looking at mattresses. So, so we want to get you started on the right products. And that gives us a three or four minute opportunity to help identify what the issues are with the customer. And it also gives the salesman great information. Now we, we have recorded the customer's name. We get a sense of all the things that are sensitive, their shoulders, their hips, back pain. And, you know, then we're able to, you know, better identify what are the right kinds of products for this particular customer whether it's pressure relief or whether it's something to do with, you know, the firmness, we at least have a direction to go that isn't subjective by virtue of the salesman trying to sell something. It comes back to consultative selling. And so that's been what we've done to try to change the game from, you know, comfort by Skittles or color and try to get away from um, just a salesman Making somebody feel like they're getting sold. We're, we're not trying to help people. People will buy a mattress if you help them buy, but they don't want to be sold a mattress. And so there's a difference. And I, I think we try to execute helping people buy as opposed to the other way around. And that's, uh, you know, facilitating the experience, right? So the experience you talked about earlier, how important that is. And, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about fitting them for a bed because the sleep essential category is so important. Yeah. And the pillows and the protectors and all of that. How, how important is that to what you guys do at Bedmore? Well, I, I think that there is a – the pillow is an important part of it, and we, we make it a big deal. Um, we try to really introduce that very early into the sales process. But the we have a pillow cart in our store. Instead of a pillow bar, which we started years ago, we, we put it on a cart. And we want to change that customer experience again. So with a cart, you lay somebody on a bed to get their opinion as to what they think of the comfort. And then we wheel up a cart. And people say, that's kind of weird. Why are you going all that effort? And it's like, when I go to a nice restaurant, let me say, if I go to Denny's, not to degrade Denny's, but they slap a salad plate down in front of me with my salad, whereas I go to a upscale restaurant, a dining experience, they bring out a cart and they, they actually mix a salad right in front of me. And I'm like, I watch them and, I, and I'm like, it's got to be more delicious because it's three times as much money. But I, I think that's part of the experience that you have to give the customer. So in showing them different pillows and different thicknesses and explaining to them that 20% of their support comes from their neck and, you know, this is all part of alignments and 
by the way, if we show you the right pillow when you buy the right new mattress, you're actually completing the sleep system and the sleep comfort and the sleep alignment. So now you have, you know, connected all the dots. So the pillow becomes sort of a foregone conclusion at the end of the sale. And along the way, you talk about investing in protection, you know, and, and making sure that the mattress is, you know, um, is clean and ready to go. And and it's easy to maintain it and for the long run. So there's those opportunities to add value to the experience. Well, I think that's that's such a key is imagining before, during and after, you know, what can we do that would actually make it remarkable and we talk about this from time to time. Like, if, if it's remarkable, that means it's worthy of somebody telling another person unprompted from the brand that created the experience. So, being remarkable, uh, you know, like the guacamole at the side of the table, you got to have the guacamole. They mix it up right beside the table, like you were talking about with the card coming out. I mean, you have to, I think, really imagine what can we do experientially in the store that's going to make it memorable and make it something they want to repeat to their friends and family. Which is a heck of a high bar, isn't it, Stephen, as a retailer, to be able to create that wow moment with the consumer and the little something extra and you know, going above and beyond uh, the competition on top of creating an in-store experience that's better than what they're going to get online. So um, not, not so easy for you guys in the retail side. No, re- recreating it and getting the buy-in from you know, 189 employees, you know, and, and that it's, it's about who we are and what we do. And it starts from the very first day they get hired and we talk about how we want to be different than the guys down the street and how we want the customer experience to be the most premium experience. And you can't have, you can't say you're going to do something if you don't live it and you've got to do it from the top of the, the food chain. When we hire somebody, you know, in the initial introduction of the company, um, our CFO spends a few minutes with every new new group that comes to work. And he says, you know, in our business here at Bedmart, my job is to be your customer service. So when it comes to your payroll, getting paid on time and the, any information you need, any help you need with HR, we're, we're your customer service. And you are our customer's customer service. And you don't own customers. The company will bring customers in. They're our customers. They're your customers. They're everyone's customers. And communicating that is um, really what we try to do. Um, call from Bedmark. Call from Bedmark. <laughs> well, they're going to the right place. That's Alana. She know, she knows you're talking about her. You know, Dad, what are you saying? But, you know, um, we believe our employees, we're their customer service. Our corporate office is about taking care of them. And that's our expectation that they take care of the customer. And it's waterfall all the way down to the customer. If the customer doesn't win, the salesman doesn't win, the company doesn't win. So we, we really have to help the customer provide a better experience with the customer than the guy down the street. And that's what I think is, it's really hard. You're, you're absolutely right. It's really hard, but it's the critical piece. And I think it's the secret sauce. Just kind of a fun sidebar. Speaking of customers, 
do you have any stories about customers that have come in the store <laughs> and were really out there and maybe it's something that lives on within the the lore of Bedmart? You know, there's there's a great story. Um goes back to sort of the early days of Bedmart. So I'm a little short and I'm a little wide and my wife looks at me and she says, you know, you really need to get in shape. So I went and joined the gym. And I get to the gym and I, I don't know, I go in the weight room and I lift a few weights and go, oh, that's really heavy. And get on a bike and I go, oh, that's just a lot of work. You know, this is no fun. I'll go pick up a basketball. And I walk out in the court, and there's a kid about six feet tall, and I'm about five, six. And I walked up to him. I said, can we play one-on-one? And he looks at me, and he's kind of got that you're an old guy look. And I'm like, yeah, right. So anyway, long story short, uh, he passes him ball, says, take it to the hoop. And I faked left, went right, completely hit the ground because I had torn my Achilles. And I'm like, well, at least I'm getting in shape. So in a cast, I go to work, and this is the early days in Portland's ugliest building. And I'm sitting here, you know, with sticks under each arm. And guy walks in with his wife, and he has one leg. He's a Vietnam veteran. And he's wheeling around. You know, you can tell he's got high-end gloves. He's, You know, he's been doing this thing on sticks for a long time. So they decide that they want to buy this queen mattress. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. He says, we'd like to take it with us. And I'm looking at him, and he's looking at me, and I'm going, I'm not so sure about this. And he says, oh, we can do it. So there we are, two guys. Uh, I have one good leg, so my, my cast is lifted up. His one good leg and the other one was missing. And we hopped with that queen-size mattress and had to obviously bend to get through the low overhead. <laughs> and got it out to his car without dropping it, which I think was probably one of the most amazing experiences. And I think back about that, I, I probably wouldn't try that today, but um, it was it was a sight to see. And his wife was just sitting there holding both of our crutches as we hopped with this mattress out to the car so we could tie it on. A little to the left. No, a little down. A little <laughs> She's giving instructions, right? I want to know if you made your shot. You know, I, I never even got that far. I never got that far. I had one bounce to the ground, and then, you know, what I decided that I now take up weightlifting, I, I use scotch, and I and I put a little more in if I need more weight. Yeah. I like go. it. All right. Well, hey, here's – as we, we, we just cracked the hour mark a few minutes ago, and I, I want to know what's next for Bedmar. I mean, do you stay kind of where you're at with the, the footprint you have, or do you have growth plans? Are there any major changes that are coming up? Um, opportunities there, but I'm I'm really trying to navigate. Uh, we just purchased ten stores, um, and those ten stores that we purchased, uh, we're you know folding into the into the team and working on the crowd. Had another opportunity pop up, and I passed on it simply because I want to do what I do right. And I don't want to just, for the sake of it, grow for the sake of growth. So for us, um, we'll continue to grow. Um, we'll continue to grow the business that we have, and we'll take care of that first. And as, you know, you have the reserves and the other things, you you take a look around and, and explore. Um, but there'll, there'll be continued growth. 
Well, this is maybe in in closing one of the most important questions. We usually leave it for the end, but I need to know, Stephen, in your time in the industry, how long have you been in the industry? Can you share that? <laughs> well, it kind of depends. Well, you were going into bassinet, so it's been a long time. Give it, give yeah, us the total. Well, you know, I, I just, I'm just uh, turning 65 this year, so. You know, in many ways, I worked nine years for Spring Air. I worked for my parents for 10 years as a kid growing up in the business. I mean, effectively, all the way through high school and then until I um, went to work for Spring Air. And then after that, we've been 28 years with Bedmart. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a long ride, and I've seen a lot. started, yeah. I've seen a lot of things. I don't think things have changed as much as people think. You know, I, I think we're all looking at... You know, people still are, they still go to bed every night. And it's like I tell new hires, we, we we're fortunate we're in a business that, like the grocery business, everybody needs to eat, and those same people need to sleep. So that's, you know, sort of why we have, I think, the um, a real strong reason to exist in an environment where people need answers and we're there to help them with it. There's no doubt. So you've been in the industry a long time. So my question to you is this. Have you ever come across a mattress industry podcast as good as Dos Marcos? Well, now that you've asked me that question, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But this was well, a good opportunity. I think you're about to. Well, okay. I, I just want you to know you guys are a riot. And I, I really enjoy what you do. And I... I I've enjoyed the opportunity to uh, speak with you today. But, you know, listening to you guys, I think you cut and look for things that are you just you're opening the the questions and asking good ones. And I think as an industry, we need to be looking at ourselves very openly and, and keep this dialogue going. Well, we appreciate that. I, I, I think that was a compliment. <laughs> it's kind of a back-ass word one, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, but we we agree. We we're trying to create kind of a campfire. The industry can come around to tell some of the stories that are important, and hopefully, you know, share ideas and perspective that you know, rising tide lifts all ships, elevates uh, everyone, and attracts cool, fun, interesting people, and um, you know, shares ideas that hopefully are meaningful to to folks out there. And we appreciate you sharing your story. I've I've enjoyed talking with you over the years, and. It's nice to have it on record. No doubt, Stephen. Thanks for taking time with us and uh, sharing thoughts because we kind of talk about this as a campfire and people kind of gathering around and people want to learn. They want to hear stories. They want to know from guys like you that have succeeded and continue to make it happen every day. And that's a big deal. So thanks for sharing all that. Thanks for uh, sharing some stories about your business, about your family and uh, much, much continued success. I right, thank you guys. Appreciate it. You can bounce on it. Oh, oh. Bounce with it. 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 Peanut butter chocolate, hybrid so tight, there's no way that you could topple it. Hybrid on my wrist, that's a calculator watch. We add ourselves together and we take it up a notch. Got the airflow, yo, keep you cool as it get. Visco foam alone to make you drip sweat. Get a hybrid mattress, yes, you'll get better rest. 
cool and comfortable. Like a sweater vest. You know the game, we're ahead of the sun. Cause the two of us together are way better than one. Cause I'm cool as ice. And I'm hot like a heater. Bounce by the ounce, now we got it by the leader. Well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right. You can sleep so smooth or bounce all night. Yeah. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the feel of the comfort core. You can bounce on it. Lay back, you don't have to practice. It's the best thing to happen to your mattress. Get together to do it like I did. Everybody get hybrid. If you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Fall alone? Out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support. The best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Nothing short of genius. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight. We can make you sleep or play all night. Put two together, get a whole lot more. Get the you can bounce on it. No stopping when the beat gets played back. Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back. Party over here, get invited. Everybody get hybrid. Right, listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming when your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment. What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam, cause if that bowling ball don't bounce, you'll be sleeping alone. And if the bed don't react, then you can't get low. We got that type of bounce that won't spill your Merlot. So stick with us and you'll get rewarded. Cause I'm so gentle and I'm so supportive. Hybrid is where the magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses.